You are listening to Radio Free Signs of the Times, broadcasting to the world on the eve of destruction. We are doomed to extinction because of agriculture. We have raped and pillaged this planet. There is a, a disinformation program literally for everyone, no matter who you are and what, what your interests are, uh, what your beliefs are, uh, which, which way you're focusing. There is a website set up just for you to take you in and to vector your thinking and your attention into the way that they want you to think. Categories for things happening in the sky and the cosmos. If you read the scientific reports that come through and put the pieces together, you can see something big is happening. Hello and welcome to the first Sock Talk radio show. This is a new weekly radio show that will be taking a deeper look at the topics of the day. Your hosts are myself, Joe Quinn. And me, Neil Bradley. We're both uh, editors for the news and commentary website, SOT.net. And for our first show, we're going to be taking a look at the Sandy Hook school shooting or school massacre that happened in uh, Newtown, Connecticut, last December 14th. The thing about this shooting is, as everybody probably knows, is that it seemed to shock a lot of people, perhaps even more so than, than any of the other major shootings in, in, in recent history. And uh, it shocked us as well. I mean, initially, we, uh, we kind of thought that this was, while shocking, just another kind of tragic event of which we've seen so many, many, many similar ones yeah. in, 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 in recent years, that somebody basically had just kind of gone postal yet again with a difference this time, I suppose, and it is a big difference in the sense that this time it was mainly small children who had been uh, brutally murdered. Uh, in most other shootings, uh, in recent memory anyway, it was generally always, uh, especially in, with large numbers, it was generally always adults. And I mean, and not to be too cynical about this, but I, I think it's fair to say that um, because there's been so many of these kind of shootings, um, it's um, it's fair to say that that the kids kids are shot compared to adults. People have a different reaction, you know. I mean, adults are well, they're adults and they run the risk. I suppose as as adults, they have responsibility for themselves, and the world's a dangerous place. So, um, you know. These things happen, and they happen too often, as we say, in America. Uh, but kids, kids don't really, you know, kids are very dependent on their parents, and, and they're vulnerable, they're innocent, and it just strikes a chord, a different chord with people. And I think that's, as far as I'm concerned anyway, that's the reason um, that there has been or seems to have been such a such a kind of outpouring of, of emotion over this event, and that it really has affected people, uh, not just in the U.S., but all around the world, in a, in a very uh, personal way. Indeed, um, although in one way this is not comparable to 9-11, I remember reading pe- uh, statements from people who were there, they were present, perhaps they were relatives or, or friends of the victims, and 
they sound and said as much themselves that this was like 9-11 all over again because of the um, surely traumatic nature of what was going down. Yeah. So in terms of the the shooting itself, initially, just to be honest here, initially we did not immediately jump to any kind of <clears throat> conspiracy theory uh, analysis uh, on this shooting, um, although you know we have we have um, discussed potential conspiratorial nature of previous shootings. Initially, we just thought this was was what it was being presented as uh, a lone nut kind of gone crazy, crazy guy killed 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 kids because he was crazy, and um, and we and we kind of left it at that uh, initially. Um, in terms of the official story, it seems to be the official story that been given uh, at this stage or how it has essentially panned out is that it's a fairly open and shut case this guy Adam Lanza walked into the school uh, shot teachers and 20 kids, six teachers and 20 kids and then himself and that was it um, but the problem obviously with that story is the way that it was presented initially uh, and we've written about this in several of our articles. Myself and Neil have written about this in several of our articles over the past month about the really amazing amount of media confusion. Mm. You could say disinformation. I don't know, but that implies some kind of intent. But certainly confusion, a large amount of confusion over over this event with completely contradictory information coming out. Information that uh, that uh, as, as far as the official story now is concerned, is, was completely wrong. Couldn't be, couldn't have been any more wrong. Uh, and this is different. I mean, I know people say that, <clears throat> well, the media, the media makes mistakes, and you know, the media aren't reliable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But, I mean, as far as we're concerned, there was not the level of confusion in, from, past, cases. in past cases compared to compared to this case in Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook was just stands out on its own. I mean, if you think back to the Aurora, Colorado shooting, I mean, there hasn't, there wasn't at the time this morass of, of completely crazy theories being put out there about who and what was happening and getting the actual, the actual shooter's name wrong and what he did, where he came from. You know, all of this, at the time, uh, kind of authoritative statements, these, these authoritative statements coming out about it that then were completely debunked afterwards within within a day or even just a few hours, you know. So that that was, that, that was a big red flag for me. Just seeing these reports so completely contradict one after the other what had previously been said. It wasn't just that. I mean, we it's been pointed out that this is to be expected. Confusion reigns when there's a crisis unfolding and whatnot. Well, this was really a crisis unfolding, was it? Because as you pointed out, it should really have been an open and shut case. So there was no shooting when the police arrived. They arrived and found a dead gunman, believing he had shot himself. He's lying there on the school floor. They did not have to fire their own arms because there was no situation to deal with to respond to. It was essentially a... Uh, I hate to say it, but... It, all they really had to do was a cleanup operation in the sense that there was nothing further to do. And yet, we have these reports from the day that come from authoritative sources 
at least that's the way they've been reported by not just any old Joe blogs on the street, but by Associated Press, by CBS, CNN, NBC. The big media outlets, their reporters either on the scene or back in the studio were getting messages, reports, let's say they were uh, bona fide reports, from people mm-hmm. telling them specific details, not just any old details, but very specific details, to more or less move the story on. Here's the latest development, and you hear the development and go, okay, right. But the, the overall picture at one point was so completely different from what we have now that the, this this was the, the first big yeah. red flag we had that something is, is amiss here. Well, at the very least, it was something to look at, you know? Yeah. Um, so we did look. And we found uh, when we looked at the when we we kind of put together just to give you an example we put together the the bits of information or the pieces of information about what actually was going on what had happened the individuals involved how the whole the issue transpired we kind of put that together. Uh, based on the original reports that were coming out, just to try and compare it to what we have now, just to get an idea of just how different these two sets of stories were. Um, the, I mean, everybody knows the official story now. It was basically an autistic 20-year-old Adam Lanza, no connection to Sandy Hook School, used one of his mother rifles to shoot her dead at home in, in near the school in Newtown. He then took four guns belonging to his mother and drove them, drove to, drove to the school in uh, in her black Honda Civic. He wore no body armor, only a fishing style jacket and mul- with multiple pockets in it for ammunition supposedly, and this was confirmed by police. And then arriving shortly after morning classes, Lanza goes in through the front entrance. Um, he's actually buzzed in, was the official story. Well, uh, initially, initially, this is this is what we were told. Initially, sorry, we'll just give the first story. The first story is he shot his way through the front entrance and cut the school principal in the hallway. He shoots her dead. A school psychologist he then goes into uh, two two classrooms yeah. and kills the twenty children. He he kind of maybe went into one or two other classrooms, but that that was pretty much the end of it. And he's using this AR uh, fifteen Bushmaster assault rifle. And when he's done that, he's himself dead, boom, that's it. It's that's that's end of story. So the police arrive, all the shooting's gone, all the shooting's fi- all the shooting has finished. Um they find all the dead bodies, they find the shooter dead, case closed. Um so that is actually the official story. And our question then obviously is if that is the official story then that if that's true then that's all that was ever happening that's all that ever happened there were, there were no other there is no other reason why anybody at any time would have come up with uh, any other details that simply did not happen yet we had all of these details from the media in the first you know it was it, it lasted for almost a week I'd say uh, until the story was anywhere near to being ironed out mm-hmm. um, and the so then the just just to give you an idea of, of the kind of things that they were saying 
by contrast, by to, contrast to, to, to the official story that we have now, was that uh, the shooter wasn't Adam Lanza, it was his brother. His brother, Ryan Lanza. That's been explained by the fact that he had his brother's ID on him. But all, but the point is that they said that Adam, i.e. not the shooter, but they they thought he was shooter. They were looking for him as the second shooter. They made that specific statement that there were two shooters involved and that it was two brothers. They mistakenly identified Adam as his brother, Ryan, and they were looking for the other brother. Uh, the theory or the, the statement, the, 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 the explanation of what had happened given to the media by someone was that the two brothers had been in Hoboken, New Jersey, where they had killed their father, uh, potentially had killed two of Ryan's or, or two of Ryan's um, roommates were missing. That's right. They said that um, law enforcement officials confirm, reported in, I'm not sure which which uh, Alfred reported it, but it says, we confirmed that Ryan Lanza, the suspect, his girlfriend is missing, and his roommate, uh, either her roommate or his roommate, is also missing from Hoboken, New Jersey. This, this report came out that Okay, morning. so you had the two brothers going down to Hoboken, New Jersey, killing the father, potentially killing or abducting or whatever two of the, one, uh, of the roommates of one of the brothers, then driving up to Sandy Hook, to the mother's house, killing the mother, then driving over to the school. Um, being then, this is what the story said that the, that uh, Adam or Ryan, we, we presume Ryan, I think, in this Ryan case. arrived at the school in full combat gear. Yes. Uh, pushed the buzzer. They have an this, automatic security system yes. at the school. They have, yeah, with the school. Yeah, you have to be buzzed in. The quote was, "He was buzzed in." He was by someone who recognized him. Right. Not that he shot his way in, but that he buzzed his way in. And I suppose then thereafter, he or maybe both of them, we don't know because both of them were said to be involved, carried out the killings, carried out the shootings, and then shot themselves. But obviously it was fairly, fairly quickly evident that there was only one shooter in the building. But that's where the story of the two comes in because one was found dead in the school, and the other one was being searched for by police. So and later, actually later on, Associated Press reported that they had apprehended the second brother, in Adam, in the woods next to the school. Yes. Caught with bulletproof vest, uh, carrying four weapons, and that he'd been arrested in the woods next to the school, which, as we'll see later on, was completely untrue. not completely untrue. It was untrue in that uh, both brothers were not there. They later changed the main suspect, the dead gunman they found, to Adam. And this other mysterious person who was apprehended in the woods was, was later, they rectified that story. They said, no, no, that was not the second brother, but that was someone who we did bring into custody. Yeah, so that, that eventually panned out as the... Yeah the explanation for this but the question still arises why they would ever have come up with this narrative who t- gave them this narrative if it was not true and was never true and that's the important point this was never true and i know the media can get their facts wrong and all mm. this kind of stuff but how did they come up with this narrative of them going to hoboken killing the father uh potentially killing two roommates coming back killing you know there's too much uh wrong 
there in terms of the story that the, that the media came out with, first of all, for it just to have been, oh, we made a little mistake here. We got this little fact wrong. They weren't getting facts wrong. They were getting the entire narrative wrong. So that suggests to us that someone was feeding them this, this information. I don't see any other, other logical conclusion other, other than that someone was feeding them mm. the media this information uh, for some particular reason, which we'll get into later on. Um, but well, there was other, there was other little details about you know that came out as well that are that are anomalous details of a of a maroon vehicle with a window shot out being being uh, seen driving away that the police were were looking for this. Um, there was, I mean, we'll just go through we'll just go through the main evidence because the fact of the matter is is that there is not a lot of evidence, um, and I suppose. We should make clear here about. We should make clear here the fact that when we talk about evidence and there not being a lot of evidence, what we're we, we at this point we believe that there is reason to suspect that this was not a lone gunman uh, shooting event. That Adam Lanza did not work alone. Um, but as, as as we're saying, there isn't a lot of evidence to support that. But we'll just go through the evidence that we are happy to kind of to to to, to stick with in terms of presenting, uh, in terms in terms of backing up our, our uh, that argument. Yeah, well, I should clarify that there isn't there is not a lot of evidence from the scene or or, or evidence from what was reported to support either the official story, which we have to just take on faith, or a lot of the theories that are emerging about how exactly this went down. That, that's what a lot of people seem to be missing here, that um, if we're looking at something bigger than a single lone gunman who just goes postal, mm-hmm. then they, whoever they is, the team of people, have done a very, very good job of leaving very little behind. Um, the yeah, the the fact of the matter is is that there isn't a lot of evidence, despite what most other conspiracy theorist sites or conspiracy sites or whatever I don't know what what you want to call them, alternative media sites. Um, Despite what all of them, all of those sites are saying, uh, there isn't any clear evidence of a conspiracy at Sandy Hook, i.e., that it was a false flag, that um, that that there was some kind of a, a other team of shooters involved. That you know, there isn't a lot of evidence for this being a false flag conspiracy, and that someone else did the shooting. We are admitting that, but we're also saying that we still believe that Adam Lanza was not a lone gunman. And hopefully by the end of the show you'll understand why. Um, so just to go through the evidence that we are happy to to hang our hat on, let's say, as plausible or tentative evidence for there being uh, more than one shooter, um, there is the evidence from the police scanners, the transcripts from the, or the, the audio from the police from the police scanners of the day of where police were arriving on the scene 
and you had one police officer stating or one police officer stating that he had a call from one of the teachers saying that she saw two shadows running around the side of the gym. Now, this was presented in such a way that this was a suspicious activity. I mean, I'm assuming that the police wouldn't be reporting on themselves, or they, the police were probably aware uh, that, that where where their own officers were, and this was a very early early report, so it seemed to be it's based on the on the on the audio. It, it seemed to be suggesting that this was before any police arrived on the scene, or as police were arriving to the scene, and this was an update from the dispatcher saying that someone within the, someone a teacher or uh, an employee of the school had called saying that they saw two people running around the side of the uh, of the building of the gymnasium, two shadows, and then not long after that. Not long after that, on the audio, you hear uh, a police officer saying, uh, yeah, they're coming down the driveway towards me. Mm-hmm. And then a few seconds later, he says, I've got them. I've got I've got one of, one them, of them. I've got one proned out. Which suggests that he's got apprehended one of them and proned out. He's proned out on the ground. Yeah. So there's that evidence which we understand is tentative, but and it could be explained by, you know, this was, for example, there's the um, there's the, the report in the newspapers about um, a parent of one of the school children arriving to, uh, that morning he was scheduled to arrive to help out with a gingerbread man making class for some of the elementary uh, kids. And he arrived... Um, and heard shooting, and then ran around the building. We don't know exactly where he ran, but he he ran somewhere. So his name was uh, his surname was Manfredonia, and he potentially he could be one of these people that um, that was running around the side of the building. We don't know. Uh, the other evidence for more than one person involved was the video evidence of the hill behind the school taken from a helicopter showing uh, police running around the side of the school and up this hill in, in between the trees and apparently surrounding man up there. Uh, this has since been uh, explained away as a member of uh, basically uh, yeah. a member of a SWAT team from a local, from a, from a nearby town who just happened to be roaming the hills. I don't know, I don't know how this guy, there is no explanation as to, as to why he was there, but apparently he was, uh, this is in the, from the Newtown B, the a local newspaper in this is, the Hook. This is a very recent report. This yeah. is not something that was uh, clarified at the time. Only a week or 10 days ago, the Newtown B uh, reported that the, I think that they were referring to the second gun, second suspect who had been arrested in the woods, and they said that, oh, well, this was a off-duty tactical police officer from out of town. They gave no explanation for why he was there or the fact that he was armed. Just that he was there. And the fact of the matter is that this video of this man up in the, in the hill just right behind the school and the police running up the hill to apprehend him. Uh, this has been available and talked about on, on various news websites for a, a couple of weeks. Now, and it's just in the past four or five days that the Newtown Bee came out with this explanation as to who this guy guy was. Um, of course, that still doesn't 
I mean, it, it, because they were so sparse on the uh, on the detail, uh, it doesn't really put our minds at at ease as to whether or not this guy, or uh, as as, as to uh, what he was doing, as to what he was doing, or, or, or that he was definitively just you know some good-natured uh, tactical member of a tactical squad from another town who just happened to be, I don't know. I mean, you can let your imagination run wild as to how he managed to get over there or why he was up in the, on his own. Uh, in the hill behind the school, but that's the official story is that he just was there to try to kind of help out. Yeah. He had heard he had heard something about the the shooting on maybe a radio, and and but the fact that he was wandering around up in the hills, and that he was, pro- well, if he was a member of a tactical team from another town, he was probably armed. If he was arriving on a at a scene uh, that he thought was a crime scene, so that's not very satisfactory. Uh, it doesn't look good, as far as we're concerned. Um, and it leads, lends itself to the to the idea that there may have been may have been more than one shooter, and this guy could have been part of uh, a team of people in, involved in the shooting. Um, until we would get a more a more concrete and fuller explanation as to who this guy is. I mean, there were other eyewitness reports as well uh, of people that, uh, and you can probably you may have seen these on on YouTube and stuff media media uh, video reports of eyewitnesses at the scene saying that a guy had been taken taken down uh, from from the school from from the direction of the school in handcuffs he was wearing um camel pants and a black jacket and that he was sitting uh he was placed into a police car uh, apparently sitting in front of a police car which would suggest that he was you know usually not, not in any serious trouble yeah exactly that he and or he had maybe presented credentials that passed muster with uh, the the emergency police uh, the emergency responders on the scene yeah um, exactly and if you think about it that way that is how the the officer we just mentioned the off duty tactical police officer I mean he just needs to show who he is yeah and nothing more said about him he's not no. going to be exposed in the media you know it's it's a matter of that immediately then he he's, he's him being there is part of the internal uh, the official police investigation and they're not they're not. They don't feel any need to uh, reveal any more information about him. So maybe we should just summarise there that, that that we're not talking about the same person being seen arrested in all these cases. No. We've got on the one hand on the audio we have um, uh, clearly an officer. You can tell by his voice that he he is animated. He's on the scene. This is the one who describes they're coming at me, and then he later says just after he says, I've got one proned out. That's one instance of someone being apprehended. Then we have the guy in the woods, of which the video footage appears to be showing that. Two police officers running up the hill and apprehending someone. Then he's been, that's the same guy who's then taken down in handcuffs and placed inside the police car. So that's two. And then there's a third. There was a young boy who described... A, when he was led away from the school, this was a, a student of the school, he said when they were walking away, they walked past the firehouse and there was a guy in handcuffs uh, lying down on the floor of, of the firehouse, which is at the entrance to the driveway uh, of the school. Mm-hmm. So that would put all those three separate at different locations. Yeah, um, exactly. One at the school being were caught. separate people apprehended. Yeah. Um, Unless it can be explained, but I mean, it's not going to be explained at this stage. But yeah, I mean, in terms of 
in terms of in terms of looking at the bare facts of it, there seems to be evidence for three different people having been arrested uh, in the vicinity of school on that day. Uh, one of them has been explained as this tactical uh, team member from another town, and that's all we all we know about him. Uh, the other one is potentially the the parent of one of the the father of one of the children, Mr. Manfredonia. He plausibly could have been arrested, and then the the, the and he could have been. I mean, it doesn't really fit. I mean, we we don't know anything more about him, but whether he was or wasn't arrested, all we know was that he was at the school. He gave a report to the media that he went to the school. It was, there was nothing about him being arrested. So we don't know if he was one of the people who were arrested. But we do know that three people were arrested. As to who they are, we don't really know, apart from this tactical team member. We don't know if the father was arrested, if he's one of them. And there were two other people. The one person who was uh, in, the, in the police audio transcript who was proned out, and the third guy who was down near the, the firehouse, at the end of the entrance to the school, who was the, 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 the pupil saw him lying on the ground, handcuffed. So I know that Lieutenant uh, Paul Vance has stated that, you know, people will be arrested in this kind of a situation uh, on, on until they can prove, you know, people are wandering right around and uh, can't be easily identified or are going to be arrested. I know that. That that's the case, but that doesn't really explain this either. That's a, a bit of a general kind of fob-off answer, uh, and it doesn't answer what we think are legitimate questions here about um, how, who these people were. Uh, but put in context, um, the reason that we're suspicious and the reason why we're looking at the possibility of more shooters is because, like we said, that evidence of of Two people seen running past the gym, two shadows running past the gym, the fact that a few people were um, arrested, but also the story that Adam Lanza, this 20-year-old weakling nerd with little or no gun training, could have carried off this kind of this kind of a shooting, this kind of a, a gone on this gone on this kind of killing spree um, on such a scale, on such a scale with such with such precision. And dexterity in the use of of large assault well assault weapons um, doesn't really make any uh, sense. <laughs> it doesn't really it doesn't doesn't fit together very well in our minds. Let's say that, let's say that it, yeah. um, because well well I mean let's leave leave it up to the readers. I mean uh, the, the listeners. I mean does that make sense to you? I know, you know, technically a 20-year-old person, male, could go and kill a bunch of kids, but... Um, we're talking about a shooting where 30 people were hit. Of the 30, 28 were killed. So whoever did this only left two people wounded. Yeah, that's now, one Adam of the things... Adam Lanza that had no gun training. They did try to insinuate that Adam Lanza had had gun training because they said that his mother took him to gun ranges. But that had later turned out to be untrue. I think we've got a call here. We're just going to take a call from someone who... Uh... Hello, caller? Hello. We don't have anybody. No. 
Oh. We should have somebody, but apparently we don't. Hello, hello. Um, well, that was. We'll carry on. That that was uh, what stunned me. That the, the police arrived and they described seeing a mind-numbing quantity of spent shell casing on the school floor, um, suggesting that hundreds of rounds have been fired in a shooting carried out by one person in at most 10 minutes, although some timelines would really, that's stretching it. I think it could even have been a much, much shorter time span than that. So we're looking at this and we're thinking, is this really plausible? It's, it's not just about... I think we might have another caller here. I don't know if it's the same person. Hello? Hello. Hi. Hello. What's your Hi, name? Hi, this is... This is Lisa Giuliani. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Hi, Neil. Hi, Joe. I just wanted to ask you a question, not to interrupt your show. This is going really well, this discussion. I wanted to first congratulate you on the launching of SOT Talk Radio, and uh, it's really an interesting discussion. I wanted to ask you uh, to get into Anderson Cooper's debunking of this. Also, but I wanted to to comment that the lack of evidence on the scene to support the official story is also another reason why people should question the official story. And and it seems to me that Anderson Cooper uh, is doing what was done similarly with 9-11, where they, they want to try to get people to stop questioning the official story when the official story actually doesn't add up. It doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. I mean, when I when I watched that Anderson Cooper uh, kind of hit piece, if you want to call it, on 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 the Sandy Hook conspiracy theorists. I mean, I was a bit torn in the sense that uh, I know there's a lot of crazy conspiracy theories out there that we don't agree with, but mm-hmm. it was really disingenuous in the way that he uh, came across as saying, uh, you know, we usually wouldn't give attention to this, mm. but we are doing it because it's so uh, we're giving some attention to it because it's so it's it's just so insulting to the families and stuff. But I mean, that was for me. That was totally unbelievable because the only reason he gave attention to it is to is to debunk it. It's, it's to in some way spin it, you know, to uh, put a negative spin on it. So that's uh, exactly what they did with nine eleven. They they said it was uh, disrespectful to the family members and survivors of nine eleven to question the official story. And essentially, they try to just stifle all questions and, and get people to stop talking and wondering about it. And and frankly, yeah. uh, that that other armed gunman, you know, the uh, the man they found in the woods, mm-hmm. for, you know, for them to, to be, you know, marginalize the fact that he was even there at all, mm-hmm. you know, and not follow up on that, just that alone, I keep asking myself, why was he there at all? He just responded, and they're just going to, like, let that kind of fade out, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's very true what you're saying about, about Cooper, and, I mean, Cooper has his own... CIA, uh, or there's allegations of his of him having some kind of a CIA connection or background. So, I mean, it's not surprising that he. Oh, would... oh, he did. He spent he spent two summers as an internee when he was in his college days. Um, yeah, I thought CIA. that was pretty interesting. But, um, yeah, what what stood out for me is that in a way Cooper was right because he honed in on the one thing that is pretty crazy about uh, what's been said in the alternative media about Sandy Hook. 
namely that it was all a hoax. And th- this is what he was focusing on, this idea that there were crisis actors brought in, that the parents were not really, uh, who they said they were, they were actually all hired actors. They weren't really um, upset about what had happened. Of course, he could hold that up as representative of any questioning about Sandy Hook. And Correct. then say, look, they're all crazy. And right, but what mm. they do is they go after the most easily knocked down theories that are being mm-hmm. disseminated to the public. And I've received um, stuff about that, too, that these are crisis actors, that this never even really happened and all this stuff. And they go after those most easily knocked down theories, and then they sort yeah. of lump them in with the other more valid, substantive questions being asked. And they they don't address those. They just go after the the straw man. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that that professor that he that that had made the comments. He's a tenured professor at Florida Atlantic University, James Tracy. Uh, I mean, he made some reference to these to these actors. He wasn't laying it on so thick. And his main point was, and I quote him: He says, "News media failed to thoroughly investigate every aspect of what happened in Newtown." Mm-hmm. I I don't see that as a as as, a, as an inflammatory statement or or a suggestion for that the news media should do that and and it's it's, it's a true statement it's like what you're saying Lisa that I mean they go for the when when they when they the only real investigation they do of it or, or exposure they give to it is the official line they ignore the 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 unanswered questions and if they are going to go any deeper they're going to go deeper into the crazy conspiracy theories. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, and best of luck with your new show, and I'm not going to hijack any more of this time. No Very problem. Very good to Thanks hear for, you guys. Thanks for Thanks calling. Thanks for calling, Lisa. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So, yeah, Lisa gave us a bit of an introduction there to, um, we may as well deal with it right now, these these crazy conspiracy theories um, around Sandy Hook. I mean, the most obvious one that this Anderson Cooper person uh, tried to use to 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 tar any investigation, any independent investigation into Sandy Hook was the the idea that's going around that all of the parents of the Sandy Hook children are actors. Some people are even saying that uh, no no children were killed at all; that it was essentially one massive big theater. And I mean, I really don't appreciate these people at all and unfortunately I was pretty shocked to see just how far and wide this idea had spread and taken hold in terms of it had taken hold of people that I previously had thought had half an ounce of sense because you cannot turn around and say oh look the parents of these children aren't don't seem to be crying for example um what's his name Parker um Robbie Parker Robbie Parker or the father of Emily Parker who was shot, uh, him kind of laughing a little bit uh, to someone before he made his, uh, gave his statement to the press and stuff, and then other parents and, and family members of the children who had been killed because they didn't have red eyes, uh, they weren't crying, they were kind of smiling and laughing, uh, and therefore they were actors. They, they, they were basically putting it all on. And I mean, for a start, <clears throat> these people who, who promote the, the, these ideas seem to have no understanding whatsoever of normal human emotion and uh, the the way humans will human beings will react under extremely traumatic uh, circumstances under a lot of pressure under a lot of strain um, 
for example, in, in, in situations that are extremely traumatic for a human being, there's this, there's this phrase that I and, I, and I mentioned this in one of the articles I wrote, there's this phrase that I think a lot of people know, which is, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And that speaks directly to uh, human nature under these kind of circumstances, where if where you feel like you're, you're, you're in such a state of shock or you've been traumatized so much that uh, in order to just try and keep yourself buoyed up and functional for a while, You'll, you'll tend to act slightly differently than the way you feel, you know, or exactly the opposite of the way you feel. Like you'll try to try to laugh at things or or buoy yourself up a little bit because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. I.e., if you don't laugh in this kind of situation, if you don't laugh, you'll break down completely. Exactly. So it's a completely normal reaction. But and and they somehow, and they weren't able to come to that conclusion. I mean, they weren't able to use their brains and see that the most obvious explanation in this situation was the most simple one. But it's, so they just push. This idea of actors and and even the kids weren't killed at all. It was one giant theater. But they, in presenting that thesis, they don't even follow it through to its logical conclusion. If you're going to present a thesis, you have to follow it through and 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 explain uh, where it ultimately leads you. You know, if, if it leads you to okay, for example, the parents of the Sandy Hook victims were actors. So what does that mean? It means that these, they had brought in literally dozens of people who were appearing on the national and international media in front of the world, basically, and obviously in front of you know the local community, and claiming to be residents, longish, long-term residents of Sandy Hook, when they weren't. They had never been in Sandy Hook. They weren't the parents, and so in that case. How does anyone explain how those people wouldn't be exposed? What about all the other actual residents of Sandy Hook? Would none of them ever speak up after seeing these fake Sandy Hook parents on TV over and over again and say, hang on a minute, that guy claiming to be uh, Emily Parker's father and his mother, they don't live in Sandy Hook. I've never seen them before. They're not Emily Parker's parents and for all of the other parents that are, are supposed to be actors. How, how does that happen? How does how does uh, how do you cover that up? What maybe they maybe this the people who, who ascribe to these conspiracy theories think that what they maybe wiped out the whole town of Sandy Hook, they killed all the existing inhabitants and then brought in an entire new collection of of fake parents uh, and and fake kids. And maybe well, obviously it leads you to the conclusion that Sandy Hook School itself is a studio set. Is a studio set. It never actually existed because if you follow it through, these are the these are the things that you logically have to conclude from this idea. This beginning idea of oh they must be actors and it's all based on this ridiculous premise that it is simply evidence that the people who are putting it forward are idiots have no ability to think critically even for five seconds. Now I'm not going to tar everybody who has bought into that belief as an idiot um, because I understand that it's easy for people to be sidetracked by. Uh, plausible conspiracy theories, especially people who who realize just how screwed up this world is, and uh, and realize that uh, there are the corruption that we all live under, and they're looking for um, a way to to fight against it, to defeat it, to, to strike a blow against it, and it's and it's quite appealing to jump yeah. at these kind of uh, apparent uh, opportunities to 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 get a dig in or to strike a blow. For, for the truth type of thing, but you have to be extremely careful. Yeah. Um, 
and it really doesn't serve. Ultimately, it serves the people that you're fighting, supposedly fighting against, uh, for you to go down this line because they will use it against you. If you jump at the first kind of little piece of information that, it, it, that suggests that you know you might be able to blow the whole situation, blow, uh, blow the whole conspiracy wide open here, if you don't do your do your homework and make sure that it's kind of as as hard and fast as it can be, it's going to be used to ridicule you and uh, and dismiss you. Yeah, you're going to leave yourself wide open. You're going to leave. Um, you're also going to tar us. You're going to tar everyone. Anyone who sincerely is interested in truth is going to be tarred by this. Yeah, and mm-hmm. of course that leaves open the idea that. Which, which is, is entirely, entirely plausible that someone, I mean, the CIA, like uh, I think you were mentioning earlier on, Neil, that the CIA and the FBI, etc., the intel agencies in the U.S. have their armies of techno, techno geeks sitting at computers and and infiltrating. Uh, I mean, it was Cass Sustain uh, advocated this, um, the kind of cognitive infiltration of of conspiracy theory websites and stuff. So obviously, this kind of thing exists, and it's not and it's impossible that they would be deliberately yeah. creating websites and putting out these crazy conspiracy theories that are so easily debunked deliberately to tar everybody who has any uh, intent or desire yeah, to really they, get to the bottom of They do perceive you as a threat. They really do. And that's why they've got armies of, of bloggers at the Pentagon with multiple screens open, multiple tabs open at one time, multiple fake user profiles pushing these kinds of ridiculous things some of which are kind of plausible, but if you just did a little bit of investigating, you'd soon discover that there's nothing, they're not standing on any evidence whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, so, I remember first thing, the first hoax story was um, that Robbie Parker had got it before the press, and oh, he was smiling before, and that's therefore proof. I remember seeing that thing, surely no one is going to run with this. This isn't going to have any legs this will this will die soon but i I couldn't believe it this is just taken off it's taken off all the way to people saying the whole thing was a complete hoax the sandy hook hoax is now associated in people's minds in in in, let's say in the mass of people's minds in the mainstream anybody anybody who is aware of there being a uh, conspiracy about sandy hook now has uh, it's already discredited in their minds because of these people who have put forward this idea of actors. Yeah. We have, I mean, Anderson Cooper, when he introduces his show, now I wouldn't, he says, I wouldn't normally do this. <laughs> Very disingenuous because... Oh yeah, of course, he, the media wouldn't normally try to debunk conspiracy theories and promote the official government version of things. They would never do that. I mean, there's no evidence at all for them ever doing that. But go ahead. <laughs> well, he also said, um, he, he didn't name which video. He said, oh, I'm not going to give them any more attention than they deserve. I'm not going to say which video exactly. But he did say that there was one, one particular YouTube video that at that point, this, is, this report went out 7th of January, so two weeks ago. He said that this particular YouTube video had had 200,000 views, and that's what drew his attention to it. Mm-hmm. I think the one he's talking about is the one that has is 10 the million. one that now has 11 million views. So he has brought it into the mainstream, and it's been held up as 
evidence yeah. of crazy conspiracy kooks. Yeah. You see, the, the theory behind this is that, you know, Anderson Cooper being prime time and, and, and having a lot of viewers and stuff comes on and says, I'm not going to give them any more any more attention that they're due, than, than, than they deserve, which is, in his opinion, none. Um, because... So, so he's not going to give any any links or any mention any of the names of any websites. But by doing a program on this, a debunking program, he encourages everybody who's watching to go out and find out for themselves, or at least a good proportion of those people to go and do that. So, I mean, it's totally disingenuous. Obviously, he's trying to say, I don't want anybody to, to go and look at these conspiracy theory websites. But by having a program on it, that's exactly what he's encouraging encouraging people to do. Uh <clears throat> but having said all that, we're kind of torn here because it was a, a debunking of the things that we ourselves here and at Thought.net have been debunking, i.e. actors. Yeah. He focused focused on the actors and, and the, the whole hoaxing, the elaborate hoax around Sandy. But it's just ridiculous, you know, because the bottom line is, is that what, I mean, these mass mass shootings happen regularly in the U.S. No one said that that that, that Aurora was a was a hoax. No one said that uh, Virginia Tech was a hoax. No one said that uh, Fort Hood was a hoax, where where large numbers of people were killed. So so why would you why would you say about Tana Hook? Obviously, whoever's doing this, whoever's carrying out, the, out these shootings, and I know it's put down to lone gunmen, but we don't believe that, um, and for good reason. Whoever's carrying out these shootings is doing it for a reason. The reason is not... Um, well, this is a whole other can of worms that comes with the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, a lot of people who can see that something is fishy with this have jumped to the conclusion that the reason for doing this false flag operation in quotes is to enforce stricter gun control. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at what's actually happened in the aftermath of the shooting, sales of weapons went through the roof in the US. They increased. They did not decrease. Are we really to believe that the minds behind something like this would be so smart as to be able to pull off such an operation and yet not foresee a very predictable result that it would actually in, in, increase hysteria and increase yeah. people's belief in, 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 the, in the idea that they can protect themselves from this, uh, these kinds of forces like by acquiring more weaponry. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I mean the the whole gun control thing, as far as uh, I'm concerned, is uh, a red herring. It's nonsense, and I think even people it's being deliberately promoted uh, in terms of, in, in an effort to stir up the population, just general stirring up of the population, setting people against each other, the the pro and the anti. But it's got nothing to do. Sandy Hook has nothing to do with trying to take your guns away. Because, and I mean, that idea that it's trying, that it's designed, Sandy Hook, with some false flag to, to take your guns away is based on a really faulty premise anyway, because the, the premise that the people who, who, who ascribe to that, that idea or that, that theory 
their the, their premise is that it is only with a well-armed citizenry, i.e., every American who wants to have as many guns as they want should be allowed to have them. That, that this armed citizen is the last defence against tyranny, against corruption, against the government coming to, uh, you know, I don't know, put, put you in, you know, concentration camps or something like that. Um, but the problem is that, well, for a start, my opinion is that true freedom uh, cannot be safeguarded with a gun because it can't really be taken away with a gun. But obviously, I don't want to get too uh, airy-fairy there, but obviously, you know, guns are, guns are can be used to protect yourself. But the fact of the matter is, in terms of protecting uh, civil liberties and rights enshrined in, enshrined in the U.S. Constitution, I mean, they've all already been, most of the most important ones have already been taken away over the last 10, 15 years. They've been systematically stripped away, and not one gun was used in their protection. Mm-hmm. So if anybody thinks that <clears throat> that by holding on to their guns, they're safeguarding uh, U.S. Uh, rights and uh, uh, civil rights and liberties and freedoms. You're fooling yourself. They're already gone. You don't have them anymore. Uh, it's all over but the crying kind of thing. And okay, you might say, well, you know, they put all this kind of police state apparatus in place and they have all of these laws passed where they can basically indefinitely detain Americans when and where they want and that... Um, and that the last defense against them coming to take you away will be your gun. But that's not the way it's going to happen. Americans aren't being enslaved and controlled and will not be enslaved and controlled physically because they have already be, been enslaved and controlled psychologically and emotionally for a long time. Uh, basically, the people who are in control of you know you far better than you know yourself. Mm. They're experts in psychology uh, and they know how to tweak, uh, push your buttons and get you to kind of jump on command. And they do it all. They're able to do it, do it all essentially because most human beings don't really understand their own emotions and their own um, kind of hot buttons. And their own biases and their, what makes them tick. Their own emotional reactions, their own emotional thinking. I mean, as evidenced by all these, you know, uh, these conspiracy theorists who who um who, yeah. who talk about actors and stuff i mean they exhibit this inability to really think clearly they're just emotional reaction machines and that is how you are enslaved i don't know how many times i've seen <coughs> comments to the effect that uh wow okay so sandy hook was a hoax whoa the official story is blown wide open we mm-hmm. we we busted the government we we've got them now they're running yeah it, it could not be more opposite to what actually happened. Sandy Hook has shown to us, and we've looked at it in excruciating detail over the past six weeks, has shown us more than ever that when we're talking about a psychological operation, it is literally that, psychological, and they have it down to a T. Mm-hmm. It did not require this massive conspiracy, needing lots of people on the scene and uh, very careful management of, of information afterwards. All it required was maybe two or three people mm-hmm. speaking to the press, on the scene. And making sure certain things were leaked out. Mm-hmm. All it required was 
maybe a handful of people somewhere in the Pentagon, who knows where, getting these getting this uh, hoax idea up and running because mm-hmm. they know that you are going to jump on it. the gullible among us will take it and make and it run with it. legs and it'll yeah. grow and grow and, and grow. And not only will you make yourself make a fool of yourself, but you'll also miss the the real conspiracy that's going on here, the real details of the conspiracy, and you'll miss an, an opportunity to understand the real extent of the forces that you're fighting against, just how subtle and almost all-powerful that they really are, uh, and the kind of the level of control that they exert. I mean, to understand that and to see that, and you can see it in Sandy Hook if you look closely enough, to understand the depth of the conspiracy and the, more importantly, the, 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 the forces that are, that are ranged against us is far more important than going around thinking that you've busted open the government and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you need to really see these things for what they are. And it's seen, like I said, it's seen, it can be seen in Sandy Hook in the sense that we believe, and we're going to provide some more evidence for, for why we believe this. Uh, we believe that Adam Lanza was not a lone gunman, that there were other people involved, that Lanza was probably was there as the kind of fall guy, and um, and that a train, trained professionals were involved, and they did most of the shooting and killing. And they... And that they were able to get away with it because yeah. they answer to a higher power. If you like. they well, the, the, the point the point that I'm the point that I'm trying to make is that these people were able to do this. They were able to go into school, go into a school, uh, shoot dead twenty children and six teachers, and Lanza and his mother, and they were able to get clean away, leaving almost. Well, basically, no hard evidence of their of them having been there, just kind of circumstantial evidence, really. And they were able to do this, walk away, and have the entire world believe that it was Lanza. And they were able to leave these little kind of uh, aspects of, of of their plan in place. For example, seeding disinformation to the media that not only allowed for them to make sure that if there were any little leaks about what really happened, they could cover it up by saying, oh, well, you know, in this morass of contradictory information coming out from the media, they could they could sweep a few uh, little, you know, loose ends. loose ends under the rug and say, well, obviously that was a media misreporting by the media, one more of the, of, of, of the many misreports by the media. Not only by, by seeding this disinformation could they do that, but they were also seeding the, the the conspiracy theories that have bloomed since because it was basically based on this morass of contradictory contradictory information that these people were seeding to the media that is what essentially gave rise to the first conspiracy theories because people were looking at all of this massive contradictory information coming out and that's what made the first people say hang on a minute how can I get this so wrong they said this one minute they said this the next blah blah you know that's so they started up the whole conspiracy train. And then they got in there and ran it off the rails with some, you know, nuclear fuel rods thrown into the, the burner. And I mean, the, there's evidence. The, the evidence that we have, or that we we we, we think, uh, backs up this idea of 
someone on the scene feeding information to the media is, well, first of all, the fact that there's no other explanation as to why or how the media came up with completely wrong stories, stories that were completely infactual, had nothing to do with the case. Where did that come from? Why would anybody have made that up? They would have had to made it up because there's no evidence for, for the idea that uh, Lance's father was shot by Lance and his brother down in Hoboken. That, uh, there, there, there is no and never has been any evidence for that. So someone put that out there. Um, yeah. Also, the fact about the, the famous gun in the trunk of the car. Mm. The gun in the trunk of the car uh, that was sitting outside the car that Lanza supposedly drove to the school. <clears throat> the media, in the first few hours, this is during daylight time, the media were saying, daylight time on the December 14th, as in the few hours after the shooting and after police had arrived, the media were saying that Lanza, that the police had discovered an AR-14 Bushmaster rifle in the trunk of Lanza's car. Lanza, that, that was eventually corrected to Lanza having the, the, that rifle with, with him in the school. But the problem is that the media were saying this within a few hours, but it was only later that night that we see the video evidence of police opening the trunk of the car and, and, pulling discovering. A, and discovering a shotgun. So it was only then, after dark, i.e. at probably 5 p.m. and after, on December 14th, that the police apparently looked in the trunk of the car and found a gun. Yet several hours beforehand, the media were reporting that a gun had been found in the trunk of the car. That's a bit of a coincidence. You could say, well, maybe they just, you know, maybe someone thought there might be a gun in the trunk of the car, and, oh, look, there was a gun in the trunk of the car. No, it sounds more like that someone on the scene who knew a lot more about the situation, who was possibly part of the covert operation, let's say, that, 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 that this was, was feeding that kind of information to the media deliberately to set up a completely confusing and contradictory situation. And that's just one piece of information they were receiving. They were they were they were they were feeding the media information about Lanza, about about Ryan, about his father in Hoboken, that he had been killed, that the that the roommates had been killed. That so something I noticed at the time was <coughs> they seemed to be making a big effort to connect Adam or actually then it was Ryan Lanza, any Lanza to the school. Um, I, I have here, I'm going to read it out, okay, this is the way it's been described. It's 1.57 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so it's five hours or so after the shooting. Four. Four hours. CNN reports that an anonymous federal law enforcement source who says he is in contact with authorities on the scene informs news media that the suspected gunman had a connection to the school but would not elaborate. That is the basis on which headlines were being generated in the first day or two saying that there was some connection between Lanza and the school. In other words, and that's it's another a rumor backed up by simply clarifying that, oh, an anonymous law, law enforcement official yeah. has told me this. And all of these, all of these reports, all of these reports about you know, about Lanza having been at the school the day before and had an altercation with the, with the staff. That wasn't true. Um, the, the fact that Lanza's mother, well, the, the claim that Lanza's mother was a kindergarten teacher at the school mm. and that that's why Lanza went to the school because he was jealous that his mother was giving attention to the kids and he went and shot all the kids having shot her first. All of this came from anonymous sources or security uh, forces, sources, 
who wished to remain anonymous, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This was all they were all that was the they were all being accredited to those kind of sources to anonymous police sources or anonymous whatever sources by the media. So there were people on the scene right after the shooting happened, giving this information to the media, and they were basically making it up. Someone was making up this information, and more to the point, there was the Newtown B recently, which is a local Newtown newspaper, initially, uh, shortly after the, the shooting, they had said that the school principal, Dawn Hoxbrun, Dawn, yes, that she had spoken to one of the reporters and given some details about what happened. Yeah, she but described she, the shooting, how she described the on shooting. on and on, yeah. So, as in, she lived. Yeah, exactly. Well, she was taught, she, she was... This was after the shooting and she was still alive, supposedly. But this <clears throat> this woman at the time that this was reported was lying dead inside. But the Newtown Bee has since, uh, in the last few days, reported... They've retracted it. They've retracted, they've retracted, it retracted and, their original <clears throat> story and they've replaced it with another statement. Go ahead. In which they say, an early online report from the scene at the school shooting quoted a woman, a woman who identified herself to our reporter as the principal of the school. The woman was not the school's principal, Don Hoxbone, who was actually killed in the Friday morning attack. Yeah. But that's not just, oh, sorry, we got the story wrong. That, that's actually a professional comment from a professional news outlet. That's what they're saying. They're no. saying it's not that we got it wrong. It's that somebody... No, what they're himself. saying, what they're basically saying is that there's someone, there was someone at the school in the media circus on the morning of, of, of the shooting, after the shooting, who, who went up to a media reporter from the Newtown Bee and said, Hi, I'm Don Hotsprung, the principal of the school, and here's what happened. Now, this is another example of someone on the scene, or it's more evidence that there were people, very few people is all that it would take, on the scene, talking to the media, presenting themselves as people that they were not, mm. and giving deliberately false information to the media that created this, as we keep mentioning, this morass of contradictory and conflicting information that, that, that came out from the media as a result of the shooting. And that has not happened in other shootings, nowhere near to the same extent. If you think back, you, there wasn't this controversy over the nature of the information and the conflicting information over the Aurora theater shooting or any of the other ones. They were all more or less, they have their own discrepancies, but not the massive amount of of, of fake news that came out and completely different narratives about what happened that came out. So this is what leads us to believe that someone was on the scene doing this deliberately. And we've explained why uh, they would do it and the benefits of them doing it. So, yeah, I'm going to, I, I think we can speculate even just for a moment as, as to why that would be done. I mean, if they're fully aware that um, Adam Lanza Nancy Lanza have no connection to the school. They must realize that sooner or later, in fact, as it turns out, very soon after, that that will be discovered. Some journalist somewhere is going to make inquiries and actually it will transpire there was no connection. And that got me thinking, well, why would they do that? Surely if the truth will out, then that's, that's a risky thing to do. But I think what something like that does, it, it creates if just momentarily, on the day, it creates enough of an association in people's minds. The story is a breaking story and 
stories are coming out, reports are coming out quick, thick and fast. The idea maybe if you think of it as a psychological operation is just to create enough of an association in your mind that, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Some guy had some connection with the school, had some altercation, had some grievance, mm-hmm. therefore he goes nuts. Mm-hmm. It's kind of plausible, mm-hmm. and it passes. Even when the truth outs later, you know, at the bottom of a report in Wall Street Journal, last paragraph, which no one will read anyway by that time, it doesn't matter. It, it's already taken hold. By now, it's established it was a lone gunman uh, who was just crazy, and that's all there is to it. The, the truth coming out is not going to it's not going to damage mm-hmm. the official story in any way. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, what we the place we arrived at in terms of looking at Sandy Hook, the Sandy Hook shooting, and all the details around it, the place that we arrived at was that we had very little evidence for conspiracy. And in true conspiratorial style, we decided <laughs> that the, the lack of evidence was evidence of conspiracy. And that's more or less what we're saying. But it's in a particular context. Uh, mm. It's in a, a kind of a historical context in the sense of our, our, our claim that, for example, <clears throat> there were, and this, we're not saying there were actors at Sandy Hook. We're saying that there were people who were involved in the shooting who deliberately uh, spread disinformation to the media and were posing as the school principal, for example. Or, uh, so this, or as law enforcement officials. Yeah, so this idea of people posing as someone involved in an event, uh, as a, uh, or sorry, someone who actually is involved in some kind of a crime, posing as an eyewitness in an effort to see the particular or spread a particular version of the story to the media, going up and talking to the media and saying, I am whoever, I'm a policeman, I'm an interested party, I was involved. Here's what happened. This is not something that's, you know, it's not, it's not remarkable. It doesn't, doesn't take such a leap of imagination to, to see how it probably does and has happened. I mean, there are all sorts of vested interests um, in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of the, the corruption within the U.S. and the, and the various crimes that are committed uh, by governments and stuff. If, if, if governments commit a certain crime or want, or want to cover it up in some way, they're going to seed information. They're going to try and manipulate uh, the flow of information about that event to make sure that the official story that covers their asses is, is the one yeah. that is the one that uh, that gets out. They're going to anticipate a reaction, and yeah. built into their original planning, they're going to include responses to that reaction. Yeah. So, so there's just to give you a, a little kind of historical example of this. Um, Are we going to play a video? Not an audio. A video. No, no videos on the radio. But um, yeah, there's a on 9/11. There was a a video report. Uh, from by Fox News, from they were down on, in in Manhattan shortly after the uh, the towers fell, and there was the reporter, a guy sidled up to the reporter, and the, the reporter, the Fox News reporter, recognized him and named him as Mark Walsh, who is a a freelancer for Fox News. For Fox, yeah. And Mark was came along and presented himself as an eyewitness to the whole scene, to the crashing of the planes and the collapsing of the towers. I'm just going to let you listen to to what he said here. 
Have a listen. Tumbling down. Uh, we want to bring in Mark Walsh, who's a, a freelancer for Fox. You live just a few blocks away and witness. Dude, I was, I was, I live on the 43rd floor of a building, which is five blocks from the World Trade Center itself. I witnessed the entire thing from beginning to end. People talk about how it looked like a movie. I know when I came walking down here early this morning and saw both towers on fire and people on every street corner, it was, it was, it was like a movie. But you watched the planes hit the towers. I was watching with my roommate. It was approximately several minutes after the first plane had hit. I saw this plane come out of nowhere and just scream right into the side of the twin tower, exploding through the other side. And then I witnessed both towers collapse, one first and then the second, mostly due to structural failure because the fire was just too intense. Uh, mostly due to structural failure because the fire was just too intense. How, Did how could he have known that? Not, well, exactly. I mean, he, he obviously had some kind of precognition uh, of the NIST report, the official report on, on why the towers fell that came out about three or four years later, uh, because that's exactly what they said. And you notice how he, he says that he witnessed, you know, he, he's, he's using the right words, I witnessed the plane crash into the towers, you know, and he witnessed them collapsing, probably due to structural failure because the fires were so hot, uh, says the NIST report, you know. So, I mean, <clears throat> for us, that's pretty clear evidence of, I mean, the freelancer for Fox News. That's just an, that's just a, that's just a, another way of saying you know CIA basically. <laughs> uh, so a euphemism for plant. Yeah, a euphemism for plant basically, and um, so that's an example of the kind of thing we're talking about. I mean, it obviously more than likely has happened many times many, on many other occasions, but it's an example of what we're suggesting was going on at Sandy Hook. I.e., there were people on the scene, only a few people. One of them clearly, according to the Newtown B, posing as the principal who was dead um, and describing events that went on inside. And then other people, unnamed sources of the mainstream media that CNN and several other mainstream media sources came out and stated were, were actually unreliable. They said that in, as an explanation as to why they got things so wrong was that they had relied on sources that they believed to be reliable that proved to be unreliable. Which suggests that there were unreliable sources hanging around Sandy Hook talking to the media. A really, really big one from that day was uh, journalist Pete, <coughs> Pete Yost for Associated Press. He was the guy who quoted a law enforcement official saying that the... What did he say here? That 24-year-old Ryan Lanza, uh, confirming that 24-year-old Ryan Lanza had been found dead in the school and that his brother Adam had been held for questioning as a possible second shooter. That, that right there, for someone to be on the scene saying that is, is yeah, it's got to send up red flags. I mean, federal and state forces told ABC. Generally speaking, policemen do not just speak to the media. Talk to the media within a few hours of, of, of something like this happening, because they themselves know. First of all, they know that they're not allowed to, and they'll be they'll, they'll get in trouble. Secondly, they probably know that they don't know really what went on. They've only got little snippets of information. So to provide such a complete uh, story as this guy did, and as several others did, uh, sounds like these weren't genuine security officials or police or state uh, sources that they were someone else 
and then that leads you to who they were and it for us it ties into our idea that um disinformation is seeded well it, no that's the idea but it ties into the idea that there was a conspiracy around sandy hook mm-hmm. and there were people involved based on the unlikely or uh, based on the improbability of adam lanza being able to carry out the shooting in the way that has been described bursting in rambo style he's like 120 pounds or something bursting in rambo style through a, a fairly heavy locked door and then taking out all these people, execution style, and then shooting himself. And also, by the way, he shot himself in the front of the head. He was found with a bullet hole in the front of his head. In his forehead. Uh, yes, in his forehead, in the front of his head. So, usually when you when you get shot, as I understand it, when you get shot in the front of the head, that means someone else did it. I mean, if you need, I looked it up, actually. You know, these are the kind of things that I end up looking up which I would never normally look up <laughs> and never normally want to look up. But in terms of suicides, the vast majority of people who commit suicide shoot themselves in the side of the head or in the mouth or under the chin. Um, I think under the chin and the side of the head is, is the main one because it's just ease of access. I mean, I don't know if you even want to do this, but imagine, you know, holding a gun to some part of your head to kill yourself, you know, you're going to do the easiest way, trying to hold a gun far enough out to point it at the front of your head. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a strained maneuver type of thing. It's not a natural way to do it, and it just points to the fact that, or it's suggestive of Adam Lanza having having been shot uh, by someone else. So, the other thing that, just as a little side note, the other thing that pops up here in relation to Sandy Hook, is that there were um, drills going on about 20, 25 minutes away. FEMA yeah. drills going on specifically for uh, how to uh, how to protect children or deal with children in a disaster situation. Specifically, it was an active shooter drill that was taking place in another elementary school 14 miles west in... Carmel in Putnam County, which is across state lines in New York State. But no, no, no. I'm here. talking about a different one, though. That's, that that was another drill. There's a dr- that one you're talking about is across state lines further away. The one I'm talking about, I think, is in uh, Bridgeport, which is about 20, 25 minutes That's away. In Connecticut. Okay. Bridgeport in Connecticut. It's not far away. It's linked by a kind of main road directly to Newtown. And there was a FEMA drill going on there. Uh, of course, these kind of drills had been going on several times. Uh, they were had been on five or six times between the months of November, December, in that area, in, in the state of Connecticut, I think, uh, or even in that county, perhaps. So they were fairly regular. So to some extent, it's not, you know, strange that there would have been this kind of drill going on. But for a start, it might explain why this guy. I mean, it's plausible explanation as to why this guy that was caught up in the hills behind uh, Sandy Hook. In full tactical gear and stuff, this 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 you guy that explain what he was doing there. Well, he could have come from there, but when you put it in context of drills being used as cover for covert operations, and there is a lot of evidence for that. For example, there was a drill going on uh, on the same day that the Aurora, Colorado shooting happened. There was a drill that day in Denver, in um, Colorado. University, the University in Colorado, and it 
posed that one of the scenarios that they were that was part of the drill was actually someone shooting inside a movie theater and this was relatively close to uh and it was in, uh, going on throughout the day and obviously on 9/11 there were a lot of drills and on several other shooting incidences there were drill like activities going on that when you consider it from a from the from the idea of a, this being a possible uh, covert operation by a team, it obviously would <clears throat> make it a lot easier for these people to be in the area. Would be an explanation for them uh, in terms of if they were if they were if they were ever questioned why they were there. Uh, it's basically good cover, you know. Um, and we have another little audio clip here that I just want to use to illustrate that point. Um, this is um, this is an audio clip from. Uh, around the time of the uh, London bombings, the London tube bombings in 2005. And the guy you're going to hear is, uh, he's being interviewed, his name is Peter Power. He uh, He's actually a former soldier in the British Army. Uh, he was in the Parachute Regiment, actually. <clears throat> I don't know if anybody knows about the Parachute Regiment, but he was in the Parachute Regiment uh, from 1969 to 1971. Which probably would have put him in Northern Ireland. Um, so don't get me started on that but uh, he then joined the Metropolitan Police in 1971 and he's basically he was involved after that he has a long career in um, in with the Metro- Metropolitan Police and, and then their anti-terrorist branch and anyway in 1995 he left the police and joined up uh, or, or set up uh, his own company in central London which are which was called Visor Consult- Consultants and they were crisis um Emergency management consultants, basically, what to do in an emergency, uh, and have a little listen here. What uh, to what he says about what he was doing on the very morning of the London tube bombings. Uh, the thing that concerns me is that what are we doing for the thousands of men and women actually who are in London working? And I say that because at half past nine this morning we were actually running an exercise for over a company of a thousand people in London based on simultaneous bombs going off precisely at the railway stations that happened this morning. So I still have the hairs on the back of my neck standing upright. Did you get this quite straight? You were running uh, an exercise to see where, how you would cope with this and it happened while you were running the exercise. Precisely. And it was uh, about half past nine this morning. We planned this for a company and for obvious reasons. I don't want to reveal their name, but they're listening and they'll know it. And we had a room full of crisis managers for the first time they met. And so within five minutes, we made a pretty rapid decision. This is the real one. Uh, and so we went through the correct, the correct drills of activating crisis management procedures to jump from slow time to quick time thinking yeah. and so on. So there you have wow. it. What are the odds? Um, the drill going on that morning at the very same tube stations where... Well, it's had simulated bombs going off in the exact same tube stations, stations where bombs did go off uh, literally 20 minutes later after they started the uh, started the exercise. So these are the kind of things that make you go, hmm. And, um, and there is a lot of evidence. Obviously, if you look at anybody who's aware of the, the drills that were going on in 9-11, that is like the big kahuna. Uh, of whatever the big kahuna means. That was a big kahuna of drill, of, of drill situation in terms of drills being used to cover up, to mask uh, an operation, a covert operation that's going on uh, at that at time, the time, at the same time. It's it's a perfect mask. Obviously, 9-11 was a major, major operation. Um, so you need major drills, which they had. They had several drills. Um 
but then scale it down to smaller operations like shootings um and you you have a smaller you know you, you obviously don't need the same infrastructure but you a drill serves exactly the same purpose of providing cover for operatives involved in the covert operation because with a drill you flood the area with you know police and uh, out of state police out of, out of town out of state police there's lots of strange people floating around and they're not they don't stand out it's cover so in terms of historical precedent um, we might we might also want to look at some of the more recent shootings as well we, we've already mentioned um, a couple of them the, the reason is because when you see okay we don't have a lot of hard evidence what we have is circumstantial regarding what happened to Sandy Hook but when you put it together with the same kind of things that are said in previous mass shootings particularly in recent ones um, the similarities between them are really striking they are really striking but what actually is more striking is the fact that I have a, I have a I have a list here of um that I that I found of school shootings in the past sixteen, seventeen years. It goes back to nineteen ninety six. And there are about sixty five of them. And when you read through them, what kind of stands out well, I'll let you try and figure out what stands out here. Um, 1996, you know, one example, 1996, Moses Lake, Washington, two students and one teacher killed. Uh, 1997, Alaska, principal and one student killed. Um, you know, 1997, again, there's 65 of these things. West Paducah, Kentucky, three students killed, five wounded. Uh, 1998, one teacher, John Gillette, killed, two students wounded. Um, 1999, one teacher of three students wounded by a 17-year-old student. 2000, one teacher killed by, it just goes on, one teacher killed two two students, two students wounded, one teacher killed, one student, one teacher. Um, except when you get to, so, so basically all of them, 90 some percent of them are of that nature. One student killed, two students wounded, one teacher killed, etc except for some very notable ones that, that stand out for obvious reasons, because in all of these other ones where one or two students were killed, it's the same kind of teenage, you know, early 20s or teenage persons, the student usually or former student that goes into the school and, you know, just loses it basically and goes in and fires off a few rounds, kills a few people. Um, but the ones that stand out are the ones where you have the same type of student, same age roughly, who goes in, but it's not one or two students. It's 30 students, all shot three times in the head. And, you know, dozen, a, few, a couple of dozens wounded. Yeah. For example, that was more or less what happened in Virginia Tech uh, when the, the, the guy Cho um, went in and basically went postal. And, I mean, that's a very, very strange... Uh, in itself, it's a very strange um, 
a shooting. It's not the average shooting. It's uh, there's a lot of strange details around that, including the idea of more than one shooter. There were reports of more than one shooter at Virginia Tech. Um, and you see, that's the thing. That makes sense. When it's one or two students killed, there's no, never any reference to two shooters or more than one shooter. Because there was, I mean, for, for, for when, one, when one student walks in and kills one or two students, that's all it is. He, he, he kills them and then he kills himself or the police come or somebody uh, overpowers him. There's never any reference to more than one shooter because it only takes one person to shoot one or two people and then to be out of tackled or whatever. But in all of the, the few, the, the small number of mass shootings by these kind of lone gunmen, kind of disturbed student scenarios, there is invariably reference to more than one shooter by eyewitnesses or even by police. And it makes sense. That makes sense because th these kind of mass shootings don't fit with the other shootings. And they don't fit as a one person, as a lone gunman shooter because everybody who knows anything and people have stated it after most of them, people who are aware and uh, who know how to use guns and know, know, know the the problems and the, the expertise that's needed to use guns properly are all amazed that these young guys with no training can walk in and kill people with such expertise and such uh, such accuracy. So, you know, I mean, this isn't crazy conspiracy. This is natural, a natural and kind of rational thought process. Uh, it, it occurs to, to, to us anyway mm -hmm. uh, as being normal, you know, uh, Two shooter, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure there were two shooters involved in that because that one guy supposedly with no gun training killed 30 people. So, and the same was true about um, the Fort Hood shootings, although that wasn't a school shooting. But again, in that there was um, at Fort Hood we had something like 60 or more people being hit. I'm not sure how many fatalities there were, but there were several descriptions from people at the scene. Um, these these would be not just uh, you know passers-by. These eyewitnesses would have been uh, ranking U.S. Army officers describing two, three, I think in one case a fourth person being involved uh, at the Fort Hood shooting, which mm -hmm. we now know was pinned on one fall guy, uh, Malik. Hassan, I think his mm -hmm. name was. Hassan, yeah. But uh, what these, particularly the recent mass shootings, what they have in common is these multiple reports of more than one person from credible sources who have no reason to make this stuff up. Mm -hmm. um, and what they all then have in common is that the official narrative quickly becomes one of just a single lone gunman having pulled it off. Mm -hmm. which, and it stretches, it stretches credibility. As Joe pointing out, it make we can understand that somebody fires in rage at one or two people, but it, to go in and methodically for, for James Holmes in the in the Aurora, Colorado shooting, he, I think he hit a hundred people, which technically makes it the the worst mm -hmm. shooting. Yeah, in terms of casualties and yeah, in deaths. terms of casualties on his own, one hundred people. Uh, the, in this particular case, um, there were not just reports. Um, from eyewitnesses describing, I think Joe's mentioned a couple of them earlier, 
there's not just eyewitness reports of a second person, but other completely uh, anomalous things that make you go, what? So, for example, the the police officer who who booked or who who either found Holmes first or who who booked him, that is, who took him to the police station in Aurora, Colorado, on the day, he described James Holmes as being completely out of it. Um, yeah, that he was staring into space, and that it was like there weren't normal emotional responses. Mm-hmm. And we can probably relate to that because mm-hmm. we've all seen uh, either a photo or video footage of Holmes with his weird dyed orange hair and his glazed over eyes in a courtroom the next day. And his eyes. He's just zoned out of it. It's like he's not aware of what's going on. Um, he said to his uh, to cellmate. Well, that was interesting. I, this report came up before, oh yeah, pretty much two weeks before Sandy Hook um, there was a strange report about uh, James Holmes the alleged lone gunman of the Colorado shootings, in which his cellmate at the, the prison he was taken to that day um, a guy called Stephen Unruh um, said he'd had a conversation with James Holmes, in which Holmes told him that and I quote, he felt like he was in a video game during the shooting because he wasn't on his meds. He also said that nobody would help him. Most interesting, though, is that he told his cellmate that he had been programmed to do it by an evil therapist. An evil therapist. That's weird. That's very strange. Um, I mean, we've already mentioned the other anomalies about about Holmes, that he was found in his car. Well, yeah, the the the, the physical anomalies that don't add up. That yeah. don't add up, and the fact that I mean, again, there was evidence at Aurora of, of two people shooting. Uh, and this is this like we're saying, this is a common a common theme at these mass shootings that there were reports of two. And the point is that there are always these reports of police looking for or eyewitnesses having seen more than one shooter, and they are always at these mass shootings and they are never at the, the the dozens, the vast majority of other shootings where only one or two people are killed. And it makes sense. One person is all it takes to go and shoot one teacher and a couple of kids. It takes more than one person to go in and execute 32 people. When you're dealing with the same type of person with not a lot of, no, no expert arms training, no uh, you know, and and I don't know. I mean, just we're trying to be logical here, and you know, but you're not allowed to be logical. You're not allowed to think logically about this. The whole point is you meant to think emotionally. But anyway, getting back to Holmes and his crazy, his scary therapist, his evil therapist, evil therapist that made him do it. When you look at these people, Holmes. He's obviously he's been on meds. He's disturbed. There's evidence that uh, he's got he's got some psychological issues. He was uh, actually seeing a, a bona fide a ther- a therapist at his university. Uh, Adam Lanza supposedly had Aspergers. Don't know, but clearly also had some kind of psychological issues. Uh, the guy Joe from Virginia Tech also 
was on meds and had a track record of having psychological issues. I think Hassan also had had been. I think had, so. I think Hassan, the alleged lone gunman at Fort Hood, Hood was undergoing counselling, and also he had an interesting involvement in yeah. psychotherapy himself. But that may be. Yeah. Well, that would put him in the in the picture. Yes. That would give someone easy access to him. But the point here is that the point we're kind of building up to or getting trying to get at is to kind of sum up we are not looking at Sandy Hook in isolation. Mm. We're looking at Sandy Hook in context. And as we said uh well, we didn't say actually yet, but as we're going to say now, Go for it. Um, there, most people are aware, at least in the back of their minds, if they don't admit it to themselves, most people are aware of the idea that the CIA, for example, or some branch of intel agencies, etc., uh, carry out kind of covert operations and... Um, you know that that they are to some extent above and beyond the government. Um, they have a big, long, wide track record of doing it abroad in foreign countries. Yeah, and we do know that covert operations have taken place domestically in the U.S. in the past. Yes. So we're yeah we're not looking at Sandy Hook in isolation. We're looking at it in the context of past shootings that we've just been talking about and the problems with those past shootings. And we're also looking at it in the context of, is it possible? This is the way we're looking at it. What we've arrived, the place we've arrived at in terms of how we see Sandy Hook is in this context and also in the context of the question, is it possible that a person could be mind-programmed to either carry out a shooting of well, to do anything, to carry out an assassination, to uh to carry out a shooting, uh, or just to simply be somewhere at a certain time, involve themselves, uh, to essentially be the fall guy or the patsy. Uh I think most people listening to this show anyway will will be aware that that is a possibility and that for example uh most people are aware of the Project MK Ultra, which is a code name for covert research operations uh, and experimenting in behavioral engineering of humans. And this was the part of the CIA Scientific Intelligence Division. This was going on from the, well, officially from the 60s and into the 70s and then officially was supposedly stopped, but we have no reason to believe that it was stopped. Uh, so the idea is that the CIA, and this implicates the CIA and implicates the CIA as a an agency that most people, I think, are aware that they are, to some extent, or some faction of the CIA, are above and beyond uh, the control of Congress or government. That uh, very often the president, if you want to call him that, um, takes his orders from the CIA on certain matters, and the president doesn't necessarily know, and Congress doesn't, and the Senate doesn't know about everything the CIA knows about. So there's a general understanding that there is a a kind of unaccountable group within the U.S. that operates above and beyond the foresight of government when they want to and have done repeatedly in the past. 
I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. And then there's, as I just mentioned, the idea of Project MKUltra, which was a <clears throat> covert research operation uh, experimenting in the behavioral engineering of humans. You can look it up on Wikipedia if you like, um, MKUltra. So it seems that this is not, this is not science fiction here. This is, we've got two things here. We've got a, the evidence for a, a group above and beyond the, the, the power of, of the overt government above and beyond Congress, Senate, uh, and the executive branches that, that does as they please and that they all are also and have been officially involved in experimenting in the behavioral engineering of humans, i.e. mind control. It's basically mind control. Through hypnosis, the application of the use of drugs to affect awareness and consciousness. Um, obviously, again, the idea of a covert group or a covert, uh, or sorry, a secret element within the CIA or a, a black ops element within the CIA uh, is evidenced by, for example, the JFK assassination. I think in recent polls, it speaks for itself. Yeah, there there was a very recent poll that um, in which it was described that 75% of Americans do not believe the long gunman explanation for what happened. That Oswald was the long gunman. That Oswald was the long gunman. By definition there... There's an admission. There is a conspiracy. By these 75% of Americans that, you know, that there's, there's a power uh, above, above and beyond, beyond... Well, that can take out a, uh, can take out a president. Um, I mean, that must be in the back of people's minds. I mean, if they, if 75% of people, and, and I, I firmly believe, I mean, because the evidence on the JFK assassination is so, so clear in terms of that it wasn't Oswald and that it was the CIA and, and the, the, the military industrial complex, if you want to call it that, because that evidence is so clear, I fully believe that 75% of Americans would understand that and, and accept that Oswald, that, that is a bullshit story. I mean, at the time, I think nobody in America believed the, the Warren Commission. Um, so this is just, you know, we're just making a point here that this group exists, this this power within the U.S. exists to carry to carry out these kind of complicated and complex operations that are above and beyond. And in the case of JFK, were targeted at the president, and the president was the target of the assassination by a group that clearly, therefore, is above and beyond the office of the president. There's no reason to believe that, that group doesn't exist today. There's plenty of reason to believe that they do exist today. You add in Project MKUltra and their intense interest in research and experimentation into behavioral engineering of humans, including hypnosis and drugs, etc. And then you put that into context of these disturbed individuals who go along carrying out mass shootings that are anomalous in terms of the other shootings. And I think we have just cause to be suspicious in this broader context. And I'd just like to let you listen to a little bit of corroborating evidence. Um, this is from um, this is a piece of audio from an interview with um, the, the lawyer. lawyer of Sirhan Sirhan, who was who is still in prison on a life sentence for the murder of Robert Kennedy. Um, the lawyer's name is Lawrence Teeter and this interview is from 2003 and it's just a, a short segment it's a few minutes but 
it's we're going to play it here just to illustrate the point that we've been trying to make. Uh, this guy has done a lot of research and obviously knows a lot about Sir Hans Sir Hans case, and all of what he says is corroborated has been corroborated by by documentary evidence, actually in the form of a documentary called RFK Must Die um, that you can search on the web for. It's a very interesting documentary, and it relies on historical evidence and, and reliable uh, evidence for for the for the premise or the. The, the theory that it puts forward. So we'll just let you uh, let's listen to what Lauren Tudor has to say. I am the only attorney Sirhan has ever had who's clearly and forthrightly proclaimed Sirhan's innocence, not only of the shooting, but of any culpability in the act of the assassination. Because I presented evidence in a historic declaration that Dr. Herbert Spiegel and I worked on together, which establishes that Sirhan was programmed through hypnosis, and as a result of this hypnotic programming, was unconscious due to programming, and lacked any knowledge or memory of the events involving the assassination, and was unable to recall the experience of being programmed. First of all, right after the assassination, Sir Han spoke to a prosecutor, and he engages in a very articulate colloquy about somebody else's case. Not his own, somebody else's. And the prosecutor, sensing that something is wrong with this scenario, asks Sirhan questions designed to determine whether he knows where he is. And it quickly becomes apparent that Sirhan has no idea that he hasn't even been taken before a judge to be arraigned. He's totally, he, he's not oriented. He's, he has no contact with reality. He doesn't know what's happening. This is right after he's taken into custody. That's right there, pretty powerful evidence that he's operating in an altered state of mind. In his cell... Sirhan is met with experiments performed by defense psychiatrist Bernard Diamond. Bernard Diamond holds up a quarter in front of Sirhan's face, and Sirhan goes right into the hypnotic trance, indicating to the doctor, according to testimony presented in trial, that Sirhan was an experienced hypnotic subject and had undergone hypnosis before the assassination. Well, right there, there's a basis for laying a foundation for the argument that Sirhan doesn't deserve the death penalty. And there certainly is a basis for exploring the possibility that he was programmed. And then there's more that materializes along these lines. Dr. Diamond tells Sirhan in trance, Sirhan, when I wake you up, I'm going to touch my forehead, and you're going to, going to climb the bars of your cell like a monkey. So he wakes him up, touches his forehead, up the bars of the cell goes Sirhan, and looks down at the doctor with monkey-like expressions. The doctor says, Sirhan, who told you to do that? No one, I'm doing it on my own. A perfect example of Sirhan's high level of hypnotizability and programmability. He's being programmed to do something he wouldn't ordinarily do, with no memory of being programmed, but no knowledge that he's acting in response to instructions from a programmer. It's a perfect example of how this assassination was arranged, and there are others. I think that it's reasonable to look at this assassination as a sequel, a follow-up to the JFK assassination. What did the planners of this assassination learn from Dallas? Well, they learned, we don't want another Dallas. And that's true in a number of respects. First of all, Dallas was a public relations disaster for the planners of that killing. Maybe it was the same group or the same body of institutions. So Dallas was not something that the L.A. crowd wanted to repeat. The ideal way around the Dallas disaster was to have somebody walk into a room full of people and fire away. He's seen in the act, it's open and shut, nobody questions it, it doesn't look suspicious at all, and it certainly doesn't reek of conspiracy. The problem is, how do you get somebody to do that? They're committing legal suicide. 
they're subjecting themselves to the possibility of a death penalty trial. How do you solve that problem? Well, hypnosis furnishes a perfect way of solving that problem. Because if you have a hypno-programmed fall guy, you have somebody who's unconscious, who doesn't know what he's doing at the time, and therefore can't describe anything. He can't identify what he did. He can't identify anybody. He can't defend himself. He's helpless. All he can do is babble, I don't remember and I don't know, and come across as a, as a, as a blooming liar. Now, there's also another danger the planners of this assassination have to deal with. The other danger is that you can't leave the act of killing Robert Kennedy in the hands of somebody who's in a hypnotic trance. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. So they've got to have somebody else to do the deed while their hypno-programmed fall guy takes the rap. That means multiple guns are going to be in use. Multiple guns are going to be in use. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. And again, this is the point here is putting Sandy Hook and other such shootings in context, in a historical context. The historical context is that it has happened before, um, that the CIA, uh, we're just calling them the CIA, obviously we're talking about a non-public face. Uh, yeah, of, probably of, something you can't put a name to. Of a control of the control system, yeah. Uh, a, yeah. a deep black murky uh, area of the intel agencies who are operating according to their own agenda and have a lot of control. I mean, I suppose it's a hierarchy, and the further you go up the hierarchy, the more control you can exert below you. Uh, that would put them above the government, the overt government. Therefore, they have quite a lot of control over everything below them, and that's pretty much everything. So, yes, in context, the, the, this kind of group, looking at Sandy Hook in context, this group exists, uh, has existed, there's evidence for it in the JFK assassination, in the MLK, and Martin Luther King, there was a trial by jury, and I can't remember the state in the US that uh, that concluded that Martin Luther King was killed was was killed as part of a conspiracy involving the CIA. You can look that up as well. Uh, even though the uh, the official record still still cites a lone gunman in the Martin Luther King. I mean, this lone gunman business is it's just got to. to I mean, they're, they're overusing it. You know, I mean, they're using it. I suppose with good call, good reason from their perspective. But the irony is, the origin of the term lone gunman is the JFK assassination. When that was first being used, lone gunman was a pejorative term for the official story because it, it's like the magic bullet. Remember that one? People used it, it dismissively. Lone gunman. Oh and yeah, now, lone gunman. Now lone gunman is it's the answer, about, well, like, it's the answer it's, for everything. It's the answer for everything. And So, um, yeah, so MLK, RFK, JFK, even John Lennon, uh, lone gunman, but all of these events, at least, at least RFK, and JFK, and even, as I said, John Lennon, there's evidence for some kind of hypnotism or mind programming a la MKUltra being yeah. involved here. And it's it's a reality. It's, it's, what, not, it's, it's what they can do. So if this is a reality and it's, I mean, I mean, nobody gets, fairy. No, nobody gets a smoking gun, but based on the available evidence, any rational person would accept that this is a reality and this happens. So given that, that we, we, we do that research, we bring that to the table, and then we look at Sandy Hook, not the other way around. Or we don't look at Sandy Hook in isolation. 
and go off on crazy conspiracy theories. We look at it in historical context and bringing in the reality and the facts about mind programming, the ability to hypnotize someone, to go to a certain area, shoot some guns as cover and to take the fall. And I don't know what more there is to say from our perspective other than the big question, which is why. Why are they doing this? What did they achieve by carrying out these kind of horrific attacks? Horrific attacks, and especially Sandy Hook, which seemed to be in this context. If you're accepting our, our thesis here, uh, just just you know, you know, humoring us here. Uh, if you're accepting the thesis that some covert group carried out this attack, they obviously decided to up the ante and up the emotional trauma level with Sandy Hook. They really wanted to hit people's buttons. I mean... Yeah, it was a, a departure from... It was. I mean, the killing of small children was a departure from other types of attacks because the trauma and the, the emotional kind of identification for, for mothers and fathers all around the country and all around the world was, was so great. I mean, uh, I mean, there's something about children that, that just evokes this... Uh, you know, a, a need to protect and a sense of uh, of fear and, and and nervousness in terms of being unable to protect them because in the, in this crazy evil world and to hit that sore spot was a really pernicious and despicable despicable thing to do. But they did it, and the question then is why? Mm-hmm. Well, what's the result? I mean, the result. I mean, I could I could cite you one example uh, in terms of the way that it influenced people's perception. I mean, there are plenty of people that I know who do not think that Obama, for example, is a nice guy. But when Obama tried to squeeze out a few tears and failed uh, the day of the Sandy Hook shooting, uh, and he was on video, um, I put up on my Facebook page uh, just the video I put the video up and I questioned whether his tears were real and there were a lot of people who as a result of in my opinion as a result of the emotional trauma and the, 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 the emotional effect Sandy Hook shooting of these children had on these people they didn't like the fact that I was questioning Obama uh, whether or not Obama was crying or not and, and, and basically being cynical about his alleged tears I mean there were no tears but and I basically said, how can a guy who, who signs off on killing children in foreign countries every day uh, can now turn around and cry about Sandy Hook? But there was a real identification. And the people who, who challenged me on this, I think they were really identified in terms of their own emotional investment. You know, they, they were projecting it onto Obama for that moment. I mean, they went back, you know, once they had gone over that, Obama, they could see Obama in clear, in clear light again. Well, some of them could. But this is an example of the, the effect, the emotional uh, the emotional trauma and the emotional effect that this this event in terms of killing the children had on so many people and it made them from our perspective it seems that it made them afraid it made people afraid fundamentally at an emotional psychological level it made people afraid it made them feel less secure about their lives and their children and their society afraid, in the US afraid and helpless helpless yeah and the natural exactly fallback well, from that is to look for uh, help from authority to yes, protect us. Exactly. Like in the scene from V for Vendetta, 
The Chancellor saying, I want everyone to know why they need us. This is more or less the message that's being put across by these kind of attacks. It's to remind the people why they need us and they remind you why they why why uh, you need them, your leaders, by by making you afraid, feeling insecure, and obviously the inexplicable nature according to the official story of the Sandy Hook massacre just feeds into that insecurity because you don't have any explanation. It's just crazy. I mean, crazy guy did it because he was crazy. is not an explanation. And we don't like those explanations because they do make you feel insecure because, I mean, how can you, how can you, I mean, you, you need to find some rational answer to explain these kind of shootings so that you can find a way to stop them happening, find a way to make sure it doesn't happen again. But you're denied that by the official story of Sandy Hook because they do not give you uh they do not give you any uh, any plausible or rational or in-depth explanation they just leave it hanging you might have Asperger's we're going to do some DNA tests to, to see, see if, if he's crazy yeah gene. when can we expect the results of that and what results can we expect from you guys on the basis of that you know so this is really part of our motivation I mean, it makes us feel insecure about our world, but it, based on our own research and our background and in, in, in investigating these things, we kind of have a better, I suppose, than the average person in the street, a better understanding of what what the real source of this problem is and um, why these kind of things happen and, uh, yeah, who's behind them. So we have a late caller here, I think. I don't know. Do we have time to take it? Well, we'll, we'll try it. Okay. Hello. The, the first this didn't work the first time. I don't know why. Um, maybe they'll try again. But every time we mm. we try and get someone on the line here, it doesn't work the first time. Maybe you'll, can you call back whoever's calling? We might have to let it go because we're running out of time. Well, we have two minutes here, yeah, but okay. we're kind of running out of time. Um, you might have to you might have to keep that question for the next time caller because literally we have uh, one and one and a half minutes left. If you do have any questions or comments, um, feel free to contact us um, either through the soft page or through the blog talk radio, soft talk radio page. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be happy to answer any questions or comments you have. Hello. Hello. Hey, what's oh, yeah. your name? My name is Brad. And uh, I've just been listening to you guys for a little while. I just, I, I just can't imagine that uh, you guys really believe what you're saying about this whole Sandy Hook thing. That it's actually uh, a hoax. I'm just having a real hard time believing that you, you seriously believe that, or you're just trying to. Uh, well, we're not. Get a we're, rise not saying, out of people, or? we're not saying it's a hoax. And okay. the, in the way that you're reading it, on, the way the way other people have been reading it on the net. Well, it sounds like you think Obama's tears were a hoax then. I, I don't think his tears were a hoax. I saw tears well, over there. He has to it's be hard. strong for his country, just like a mother is strong for uh, her children. I mean, he has to be strong for the country, obviously. Yeah, but it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to imagine how he could really be crying over children when he kind of signs off on drone attacks that kill children in other countries every day. I don't see him crying about that, you know? I mean, aren't all children the same everywhere? Well, like yeah, they're a real human being. Of course they are. And there is there is collateral damage in in any war, and we all know that. That's just part yeah. But of the that's gig. not talking about collateral damage here. We're talking about a he real. He doesn't target. 
he doesn't target schools. None of our military targets a school that I've ever known of, anyway. I mean, well, there... you maybe need to read up on that because in in Baghdad, uh, when they first lost launched the first Iraq War, they basically targeted all the civilian in- infrastructure. Oh, well, that was under George Bush. That's a whole different story. That's uh, a whole different story. Listen, that was under George Bush Senior. Yeah. That was, uh, and, no, and I don't, I don't agree with that at all. It wasn't the kid. The we ran out of our two-hour time slot, so basically we had to cut that guy off, although I'm not sure I wanted to talk to him anyway, but maybe. Um, well, he was getting into the right-left kind of, you know, my Democrat-Republican thing there, and uh, yeah, that's a load of bunkum. But um clearly not motivated to look yeah. at issues based on whether or not it's under one administration or another. Yeah. Clearly he missed the point we were trying to make, that if this is a team involved, it's a team that... Uh, whatever government is in power at the time, it has no bearing on their motivation and their ability to carry out such atrocities. Yeah. Anyway, we got to leave this for for this week. Um, we're going to sign off. And thanks for listening, whoever's been listening. We like uh, questions about all sorts of things. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so anybody who has questions, um, feel free. Next week we'll be here again next Sunday. And same time. Uh, same time, same place. Uh, so until then, have a good one. You are listening to Radio Free Signs of the Times, broadcasting to the world on the eve of destruction. We are doomed to extinction because of agriculture. We have raped and pillage to this planet. There is a, a disinformation program literally for everyone, no matter who you are and what, what your interests are, uh, what your beliefs are, uh, which, which way you're focusing. There is a website set up just for you to take you in. And-